Hey guys, before we get into this World Cup wrap-up episode of Ringer FC, just want to tell you about a couple of things that are happening on the ringer.com. First of all, please, please check out Ryan O'Hanlon's six takeaways from the World Cup final and uh, Shocker Salmon's article about France's burgeoning dynasty. Those guys crushed it. The entire World Cup, Ryan especially, wrote some really, really wonderful columns and I think taught us all, even the guys here on the pod, a lot about the game. So shout out to Ryan, shout out to Shocker, shout out to everybody at The Ringer who worked so hard on the World Cup coverage. It's really probably my favorite sporting event and it's just such a joy to share it with all my colleagues and all the readers and all the listeners. So thank you so much for listening to The Ringer FC as well. Uh, Also check out on The Ringer Podcast Network, The Ringer NFL show, uh, GM Street. Back in the building, Tate and Lombardi are here. And in non-soccer news on the site, check out Brian Curtis's farewell to the news to a newspaper office. The LA Times Sports Desk bids adieu. Brian is obviously as keyed in, as plugged in as you can possibly be in the world of sports media. This is a wonderful article. So without further ado, let's get into our World Cup wrap-up episode of Ringer FC. Yo, 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 yo! Ringer FC, our very last World Cup edition. Vive la France! On Sunday, France defeated Croatia 4-2 in Moscow to win their second World Cup. To talk about it, I'm joined here as part of a new three-man midfield alongside Micah Peters. What's up, Micah? Angolo Kante. <laughs> the one and only Chris Ryan. What's up, what's up? And via phone from, are you in Qatar? Moscow? Where Doha. are you, Ryan O'Hanlon? Doha, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Live from Doha, it's Ryan O'Hanlon. How's the grass out there? Uh, it looks a lot like cement. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's quickly go over the final. I'll quickly go over the details of the final. As you all know, France won 4-2. to two. To me, it was a fitting end to this World Cup because we saw a little bit of everything. It was like a microcosm of the whole tournament. We saw a couple goals off the set pieces, including an own goal, the 12th of the tournament, a record. A video-assisted replay handball penalty. Controversial. We'll get into that. A few moments of individual brilliance from Pogba and Mbappe. The highlight real goal from Perisic. A goalkeeping howler from Hugo Lloris. A little bit of chaos. Pussy Riot invasion. And the team with more possession, more passes, and more shots lost. Ryan from Doha, what is your enduring takeaway from this final? In fact, you wrote about the takeaways from the World Cup published on The Ringer today. But from the final, what stands out to you as a talking point? I think, like, there were six goals in the final. And weirdly, I I saw this. 4-2 is the most common scoreline in a World Cup final, which I think is like all of the games in the 50s were like that, and then this is the first modern one that was so high scoring. But it's just, knockout soccer is so fucking cruel. Like, as you said, Croatia brought it to France, and in my opinion, they might have even played their best game the entire tournament this game. Like, they got Conte taken off 60 minutes into the game because he couldn't handle the pressure that they were putting on him after he picked also, up early yellow. Also, in Conte's defense, <laughs> Le, 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 Le I'm, I'm glad the desert hasn't ruined your sense of humor. <laughs> Le Parisien reported that he had a stomach bug, a.k.a. Gastro- diarrhea. Yes. So, 
we have to take that into account for Conte. Like sure, he gave, sure. him a th- uh, gave him a three rating, which is terrible. But yeah, go on. But I, I think there's like a not too distant world where this game is like 0-0 or 1-1 at the end of regulation. The, the only, in my opinion, the only high quality chance of the game was when Lloris hit it into Mandzukic's foot. Otherwise, all of the finishes were great finishes. And then it was penalties and own goals. So it's a cruel way for Croatia to go out. Um, but they've also been on the good side of fortune, winning you know two shootouts, getting on the easier side of the draw. So I guess maybe I don't feel as bad. And you know, France's strategy is limit high quality chances and then let Mbappe and Pogba take over, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So Chris and Mike actually. I mean, Micah, obviously, you're Pogba's biggest supporter, but was it ultimately the individual brilliance of guys like Pogba and Mbappe that told, or that was the difference? Um, I believe so. I mean, like, the thing is, is that as much as we've decried Didier Deschamps' tactics over the entire tournament, um, it's he succeeded. I mean, like, he did it as a player, now as a manager, and yeah, I think that the game was eventually won on moments of individual brilliance. I mean, like, think about uh, the goal that Pogba scored, started from 65 yards away from the goal. Uh, he had two defenders closing him down, and I just got to talk about this pass for a second. Two defenders <laughs> closing him down off of, like, kind of flicks back and forth between Steven and Zanzi and Antoine Griezmann, and then he hits a full volley and puts Mbappe into space. Like, there's not really a way to plan for somebody being able to do something like that. You can't even do it in FIFA. You know how they sometimes talk about FIFA moves? You can't even make that pass in FIFA, so... (laughs) Yeah, so I definitely think that you have to. I mean, like, yeah, it was definitely moments of individual brilliance, but also... Deschamps tactics. Pogba shares that with Modric, where you'll be watching him, he has the ball, and you can see two or three defenders circling the the blood in the water and you're mm-hmm. like oh this guy's dead like you know either he's gonna tackle he's gonna give it away and then they just make both of them they're completely different body types completely different players they just make one move they pivot and the entire axis of the game at, at that moment changes with them and it's just a a kind of innate soccer playing soccer brilliance that you just only get like once a once every couple of decades really I I, I can't think of that many midfielders I've seen who are just able to tilt and throw an entire defense in another direction, uh, and they're such different. They're so different in stature. It's kind of cool to watch them both do a similar thing. Yeah, it's kind of like quality can see the pass, and then like genius can see the pass that no one else can yeah. see. Yeah. Did you guys see what Roy Keane said after the game? He said Pogba can have any which hairstyle he wants. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 talk about Croatia a little bit because Ryan. Donnie, hold resistance. on a second. We're not done talking about France. They just won the World Cup. We're not going to start talking about Croatia just yet. I want to highlight something else that Ryan wrote about yesterday, really quickly. Go for it. Go for it. Which is just that um, I think that actually after reading it, I went back and watched rewatched some of the game. And you can really see something that Ryan pointed out, which is the absolute 100% buy-in that everybody on France had into the game plan. And, you know, international soccer, increasingly to me, does not really resemble club soccer. You know, the the club soccer game, it's so high intensity. There's counter-pressing. You've got high... If you're watching the Premier League or La Liga and Bundesliga, increasingly Serie A, you're seeing pretty elite talent at almost every position, pretty deep down the table. And that's not the case in international soccer. And you, what I saw from France were these 
global superstars, and you're watching Antoine Griezmann play. Essentially, he's dropping in to play like a deep lying playmaker and defend from the f- sort of mid front. And you're watching Paul Pogba, who the last three years of his career have sort of been defined by, well, where do you put this guy? Where is yeah. he supposed to stand? How yeah. close to goal is he going to have to have defensive responsibilities? Not once did he blink. He was just out there doing mop up with Conte. And yes, Conte allows him to make mistakes and everything. But I was blown away by France's level of commitment to a, a game plan. That they obviously just were like, this doesn't work if we don't buy in. And Ryan wrote about that really well. I just, I don't know if you want to expand on that, Ryan, but I mean, my favorite just, teams in this tournament did that. Can I just interject to say that while I agree with what you're saying, it's also kind of it's like the Chris Rock gag about low expectations. I mean, we shouldn't, we really need to congratulate them for listening to their coach and hustling and tracking. I mean, back. considering the fact that, <laughs> like, did, thinking did about Croatia buy in any less. I'm okay. It's it's not a it's not about, but the thing is that like factoring in exactly how personality driven the sport of soccer is, and the fact that you know a few players on the Croatia team, but none of them are like standing out as like gregarious, larger than life characters like the rest of the players on France are. Mm-hmm. I mean, like having them be able to like Paul Pogba is capable of a lot of different things. Um far and away beyond just being a, a deep line midfielder that is also a ball winner and, you know, like kind of stitches everything up, last line of defense, first line of attack, all that sort of thing. He's capable of so much more than that, but be able to do that and then like improvise, but within the system that is like set in place for them is not an insignificant thing, an insignificant thing, sorry. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, you wrote in your piece, actually, I'm quoting you here, that the defining feature of this France team is avoiding the temptation of playing too many of their top attackers and instead favoring an organized conservative approach. So to what Chris and Micah are saying there, I guess it's people kind of buying in, quote unquote, to the team concept. And, you know, you criticize France a lot this tournament for not going into third or fourth gear. But I guess now, as the World Cup champions, you can't really criticize the approach, right? never really had to they i think they trailed for nine minutes across the entire tournament and that was briefly against argentina you know which was like a like a a kamikaze opponent you know just willing to like destroy themselves on the field and in the hopes of somehow beating just a markedly better team but i think the way to look at it is paul pogba had more assists than anyone who didn't play for Manchester City last year. And like Chris just said, he played as like a very reserved holding midfielder for the most part of this tournament. Antoine Griezmann has scored 22, 22, 16, and 19 goals the past four seasons. And he played as a defense-first advanced midfielder for France. And both of those guys played for fucking Jose Mourinho and Diego Simeone. And they played more defensive roles for their national team. And I think it's... The way that it bears itself out, the way I've tried to look at it is, statistically, this is one of the best defenses I've ever seen in a World Cup. Limiting shots and limiting quality of shots is an extremely hard thing to do. You usually have to do one or the other. And they were able to do that, and then they did it with guys who were, like Paul Pogba is still Paul Pogba. Griezmann is still Griezmann. Even if he's defending for 80% more each game, there's still the one or two moments where they break the game open, and when you're not giving up any goals, that one moment means way more than it does in a sort of normal situation. 
Well, insofar as one of your takeaways being that defense and a ridiculous amount of individual talent talent wins championships, is France here setting a template now for the other international powers to follow in that their players may have to kind of sacrifice some of their big-time players like the Neymars and, and the German players, et cetera, Ozil, will have to kind of buy in, quote-unquote, into more defensive team concepts for their countries uh, to succeed. It'll be interesting to see because the club game is going literally in the exact opposite direction. Um, and I don't know if any team other than France and maybe Brazil can uh, play this style because of the abundance of talent. Um, right. But I, I kind of hope that it's not a trend, to be honest. One thing that Ryan also hit on was uh, the youth movement in France. And I do think that we started to see some pretty tired legs out there as the tournament wound on. Obviously, Croatia defied physical science and their ability <laughs> to run for 120 minutes a game and then win penalty shootouts if necessary. But I did think that Ryan had a really interesting idea in this piece that a couple of other uh, analytics people in the game have been talking about, about when peak ages and when you're supposed to sort of age people out of the international team. I heard some guys from the Sunday Supplement in England talking about the English national team and how um, guys like Ashley Young are done. You know, and mm-hmm. probably even guys like Jordan Henderson are on their way out. Mm-hmm. And that this is really a game that's supposed to be played by people who are 27 and younger. And that you would you would think that while France obviously has your Mbappes, your Pogba's, your Varane, who's already won everything you can win in football pretty much. Uh, so they have upper echelon talent, youth, young legs, young lungs. And trying to take advantage of that kind of effervescence that you can get when you have a young team, which Germany has done in the past, France did this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see other teams try that. Yeah, and it's always a challenge because, as Ryan mentioned, I think, in his piece, managers kind of get wed to certain favorite players that— Or the media weds them to that. That's what mm-hmm. happened or the media for a generation, pretty much. Totally, and they feel safe uh, you know, with certain veterans— and are then loath to give chances to more unpredictable younger talent. Uh, I mean, that's exactly that- what happened with Germany at the. At, I mean, at the start of this tournament, is like the division in the. Even there was even a division in the locker room between the Bavarians and the Bling Bling Gang. Right. That's right. <laughs> so now, can we talk about Croatia a little bit? <laughs> You're just dying to talk about Croatia, aren't you? Go just, ahead, man. <laughs> I just want to say one thing. Okay. <laughs> I, like I want to see you. I feel you like it's going to be more than things. one thing. Yeah. No, no, no. No, this is literally one thing. I, I really praise the Croatian team. I think they play with a lot of valor and a lot of heart. And I think although French deserve ultimately to win the World Cup and were deserved winners on the day, I think the Croatians were incredibly hard done by in the first half. A first half in which the French only had one shot on target. The goal, the own goal from Mandzukic's head was the result or the byproduct of a dive by Griezmann that was never a free kick. And the handball on Perisic, just unjust, ball to hand, not deliberate in any way, not clear or obvious in a way that uh, a play should be for VAR to overturn. Those two goals, essentially, that penalty to me basically ruined what could have been a gripping final to the end. I think it was gripping in an seeing uh, Pogba and Mbappe do what they did with Croatia pressing forward by because they were trailing. But I think that VAR decision particularly robbed us of what could have been a truly classic final. And I still think Ivan Perisic's goal, the equalizer, was the best goal of the final. 
So that's all I have to say about Croatia. <laughs> okay, but the thing is that, like, notice how you started with intangibles like heart and valor and then basically talked about two decisions that just happened in the course of a game. Gamesmanship is part of the game, which would be diving 30 or so yards in from uh, from the goal mouth. And then it's almost like the 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 letter the letter of the law, the rules that we have in place aren't equipped to handle things like VAR. Of course, it was probably hand it was probably ball to hand in the Ivan Perisic thing, but it was like slow motion and in a replay, it looks intentional. Let me just leave it to uh, an unbiased quote from an unbiased person, Dejan Lovren. <laughs> <laughs> we have been better. We have been better today, and overall, we have been better. France didn't play football. They waited for their chance, and they scored. They had their one tactic, and you have to respect it. They played every game of the tournament like that. I'm disappointed because we lost the game, but we played much better football than them. What a quote this tournament, Lavrin has been. Props to him. I I'm, I don't know what to say. You you say <laughs> I need Ryan to do it. I, but, Donnie, I like your love of Croatia is heartwarming. <laughs> if unexpected, and uh, I'm very fond of the Croatia. Croatia as a country. I've spent some time there. Oh, yeah. I do not think that they were better than France. I love the no, brotherhood they were, they, between Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic. I like them writing nice messages to each other on the backs of their jerseys and trading them after the game. All of that is lovely. But just to be just to be clear, I said France deserve to win. They're a better team, player to player. All you can go down the 23. France are a better team for Croatia to win or to even be in contention throughout the 90 minutes. They needed not only a perfect game, but luck to be on their side a little bit. They played almost virtually, I would suggest, a perfect first half before they got opened up in the second half. But luck went against them, and that robbed us of what could have been a really classic final. Ryan, I mean, they gave agree? up one shot in the first half, and it led to two goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> you did. It's against France. It's, it's essentially impossible to come back against that. Yeah, I would. I guess I would just say that in when you watch finals, I, I honestly, ex, I would just expect the worst possible thing to yeah, happen. I, like, and let me say this as a Mohamed Salah fan, <laughs> just like whatever the worst possible thing you think can happen, whether it's Mo Salah getting his arm dislocated or Zinedine Zidane headbutting Marco Materazzi or Nigel De Jong karate chopping uh, Xavi Alonso, like wild shit happens in finals. And yeah, like, yeah. honestly, in a weird way, the biggest test of a team in the final is how do you respond to the craziest thing possible and i it's nothing it's not like croatia didn't keep their heads or didn't play like a, a solid game i think that they just got that too many bad breaks broke against them yeah exactly right and they didn't give up even at 4-1 which is a testament to them we've seen a lot of teams in this world cup go down by multiple I mean, goals and i guess they up. didn't give up they didn't, it's not like they just like it's not like they like mounted an entire like th- everything they had at france i mean france was still messing around I mean, in like, their half at it the was end of the game still kind of crazy like that you know mario Mandzukic was doing the hard driving chasing pressing run to be able to pick up on that mistake by hugo Lloris in like the 68th or so minute but yeah uh yeah i mean like and you can kind of, to, to Chris's point about, like, you expect the worst possible thing. I mean, re-watching the game uh, yesterday, it was just kind of like, I, I didn't really pay attention to it at first, but immediately after Paris had scored the equalizer, the, the, the camera panned over to Zlatko Dalic, and it was just kind of like nothing had happened at all. Like, he just kind of lightly picked his nose <laughs> and then turned around and walked back to the bench. <laughs> 
All right, let's just uh, wrap up the final talk. I'll just give you some quick individual facts you can respond or react. We talked about Deschamps, third person to win World Cup as both player and manager. Mbappe, second teenager to score in a World Cup final after Pele in 58. Pogba's goal, apparently the first by a Premier League player in the World Cup final in 20 years. The last was Emmanuel Petit of Arsenal. Uh, Chris talked about Varane's trophy hall. Lovren has now lost three consecutive finals by two goals. I don't know why you're laughing at him. <laughs> why are you Olivier? laughing at What's so funny about Rafael Varane? No, he's laughing at Lovren. I'm, like, I'm laughing at Lovren. Sorry, Olivier Giroud, Ryan. Holler at me when ma- you get the three finals. <laughs> Giroud made it to the end without a single shot on target. We didn't think it was possible. He somehow did it. 546 minutes. So you re- wait for my doctoral thesis, The Invisible Art of Olivier Giroud. <laughs> I have one quick thing also about Giroud. Uh, apparently, Get French Football, a French publication, asked a handful of French players what they would do if they won the World Cup. This was before the tournament, and Giroud said he would shave his head. Not quite eating a boot, but for, but for Giroud, that's like eating a boot. Yes. His, his beautiful hair. Um, also, uh, one of your favorites, Micah, Benjamin Mendy. A total of 492 minutes played this season, and he has a Premier League title and a World Cup. Finesse. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and then finally, Antoine Griezmann. Uh, he did the Fortnite dance, one of the Fortnite dances after he scored the penalty. And he interrupted Pogba's post-game match interview to say, quote, I love Derek Rose, end quote. Chris Ryan, what's up with that? <laughs> is that some Adidas stuff that I don't know about? Is that like <laughs> is that like brand brand marketing? <laughs> I think it's just Griezmann is a weirdo. Okay. But also is like an NBA addict I mean, we, me st- and Michael stopped were watching some, in 2010 some vintage Griezmann tweets from 2016 where he's like <laughs> just tweeting <laughs> about young thug so I mean <laughs> I'm not shocked all right so this is we'll just wrap it up here and ask I'll ask all of you whoever make Chris I'll go with you first are we at the start of a French dynasty here this is the second youngest team in the World Cup uh, by average age 15 of the 23 players 25 and under a bunch of guys like Kingsley Coleman Marshall Rabio didn't even make the team. Was this the start of like a German-like or Spain-like I think run? that the, we just have to adjust what we call a dynasty. I definitely think that they're the odds-on favorite to win the Euros. Um, I think that they got an enormous albatross off them uh, early on in their playing careers. They'll always know that they can win the biggest trophy there is and that they can play that way. Um, I would assume that they are going to be right there for the Euros, which is typically with Germany, with Spain, you see them. It's usually a Euro and a World Cup. A second World Cup, as we've seen multiple times over the last uh, few competitions, is really, really, really hard to do. Ryan, what do you think? I kind of think we're already in it. They're in the finals of the Euros. Um, and they just won the World Cup. So I, I think the dynasty started two years ago, to be honest. <laughs> UEFA Nations League next. <laughs> Michael, you agree? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, it's, I would say, in addition to the we're already in the dynasty thing, also just you never really know what because, I mean, like, you thought that Germany was going to be, you know, the hot shit at the Euro 2016. And, I mean, like, they didn't win it, but I mean, they're right there in competition I, with everyone else or whatever. But I mean, it's 
I definitely think that it's possible. They're definitely like, yeah, France is odds on favorite for the right. Next and when year, you see Matt Hummels dragging his bones around the field, you're like, I can understand exactly why they brought him to the World Cup, and they probably shouldn't have. Exactly. You know? And that'll that'll be the big question posed to France as the years go by: is do you stick with the guys who got you there, or do you turn, to, you know, drop Giroud for uh, Usman Dembele and move Griezmann into the center, or move Mbappe into the center? Like, mm-hmm. how do you how do you mix in these kids who are going to be knocking at the door? But but the thing is, they Drew is essentially the only person they have to do that with. The rest of the team are all going to be in their primes come the next World Cup. So it's like it's not even a question they're going to have to really address until the World Cup is in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, Ryan, thanks for calling in from Doha. Thanks, guys. Miss you. Miss you too, man. <laughs> we miss you too. We'll take a break right here and come back with our World Cup awards. Hey guys, today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you actually want to stay at, so there's no more scrolling through endless lists of choices. And even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance. It's perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. Hotel Tonight is perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more, and it is so easy to use. Book hotels in just 10 seconds with three taps and a swipe. There's even an HT Perks program where the more you book, the better the deals get. I've been using Hotel Tonight for about two years now, and I love to just check it out. Just look for places on the beach or maybe in the desert. I'm out here in L.A., and if there's a cool deal, we just build the trip around Hotel Tonight rather than letting Hotel Tonight build the trip. It's kind of a fun little fun little thing, way to do the weekend staycation. Uh, get Hotel Tonight now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. The Ringer FC is also brought to you by Proper Cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, be it the collar or the sleeves. Thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles from classic to business to casual to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buys fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through an extensive quality control testing so that you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. And best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that somehow, if your shirt doesn't perfectly fit, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts. The shirts are made completely custom for you starting at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com FC. Enter gift code FC to save $20 off your first shirt. And we're back. We should actually, Chris, I'm going to let you have a few words about the gripping third place match from Saturday. Uh, Belgium 2-0 on England. Do you have anything to say? Um, I was mostly interested. The most interesting thing that happened during this game was Eden Hazard being like deuces to Chelsea right afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where he said, you know where I want to go. How coquettish. I know. And now, now, uh, did you see Courtois was basically like, Take Wherever he goes, I go with him. We are like we are attached. <laughs> also, Roberto Martinez being like, "Yeah, it's probably time for him to." You but know, I'm try sure Florentino Perez was like, "God damn dog! Now I got to cut this 200 million euro <laughs> check. I was just trying to buy a Ronaldo replacement. Now I got to buy a keeper. Be cool, baby. Damn." <laughs> Not only that, Thierry Henry has now quit Sky Sports and is going to continue, maybe not as the Belgian assistant manager, but 
pursuing management. So suffice to say, the Belgian team is gassed after that bronze. Everybody wants to go somewhere else. So anyway, here's our World Cup awards. Let's just quickly go over the official awards. The golden ball went to Luka Modric of Croatia. Hazard was second. Griezmann third. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, like, I just, I think that Luka Modric getting his country to a World Cup final after everything, after the last he just had, and at 32 or whatever, is it, it's definitely a crowning achievement for him. So I'm happy you got the golden ball. Golden glove to Courtois. Young player of the tournament, there was only one, Mbappe. Can I, can I just quickly say something about Mbappe, which is that of I actually don't watch a lot of French league football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and watching Mbappe over this last month, uh, he's, like, really good. <laughs> and uh, I don't even mean that, like, because you can watch the YouTube videos and he plays in the Champions League, but I mean watching him as the outlet for uh, longish balls when the game is on the line and when, when right. everybody is, like, attacking the French goal. And those guys are just firing, and he is he is absolutely like defending by counterattacking almost because mm-hmm. he is this one guy who can beat any defender in a foot race and then mess around with the ball in the, in the other half for a few minutes. So, like, I I can't, I kind of can't believe how good he is at this young, young yeah. age. And young player of the tournament is probably the biggest understatement of any of these awards. Like, we're, yep. we're on the precipice of probably seeing a top three player in the world for the next 10 years to come. Is yeah. it is it reminiscent of young Cristiano somewhat? He's actually it's like better. I think he's better. Yeah, I like it's also and he also doesn't have that part of his game that was really tough with Cristiano, especially in the beginning of the United days where you were just like Get he up, like he dude. couldn't finish and yeah. he, like he also couldn't stay on his feet. But the thing is that like also like the only thing that is like noticeably holding Mbappe back is just like once he learns how to get the ball out of his feet and stops overrunning it it's over for you yeah I mean like he's too fast (laughs) for his own skill right now and when he fixes that it's pretty much like we're we're gonna see we're gonna see Messi Ronaldo numbers I think incidentally after the match he said definitively quote I will stay at PSG so at least one more year and there's there's been uh I've read things that are about how Mbappe is more important to the PSG project than Neymar in some ways because the 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 value of having essentially the icon of French football or the next icon of French football in Paris it's like the Neymars can come and go uh you can you know you can buy the next big thing or the 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 flavor of the month yeah that's what they having, were going after when yeah, they were having, trying to sign Pogba right yeah. exactly but having Mbappe there is is essential for their whole thing <clears throat> can you do it on a rainy Wednesday night in Stoke though See, I would love to see that. Though. I mean, like he would do it. You know what? I hope he just does it this this season, just like just so we can put that to bed. I mean, like he's right, already so won a World Cup. <laughs> other World Cup awards, of course, Harry Kane won the Golden Boot and the Fair Play Award to Spain. All right, let's go into our own Ringer World Cup awards. Chris, on the last episode when you weren't here, we did our best match. What was your best match? I, I sentimentally, it's Colombia England. It was not only was it. Um, you know, one of the great displays of shithousery that we've seen. I loved it. Uh, loved it. it was an incredible match. The atmosphere was rocking and the penalties. I don't, I, I think that sometimes when you get down to those knockout stages, you get a few too many games that play out the same way. But because of personal investment, um, I just thought there were so many nuances in that game. It was a shame that James didn't get to play in it because I think it would have been a little bit, of a, the, the game would have had a different tenor, but it, just for sheer entertainment and drama. I'm going to go with Columbia, England. 
I agree with you, actually. I mean, I picked Japan-Belgium, but I really, really enjoyed that Colombia-England match just for the drama and the narrative. That was also the match where I felt like I was literally watching it with 50 people because of the volume of Slack messages, and we had, like, a group of, like, eight or, eight or nine people watching it in the chapel here at the Ringer. And Oh, yeah, Chris left soccer Slack I did, in the middle man. of that I match. I thought I offended I threw, him. <laughs> I threw my toys out of the pram. Uh, and I, I think that it was... Uh, it was really like that feeling of community that you can have during a World Cup or just any summer tournament, but especially during the World Cup where, you know, I remember watching Belgium, U.S. with a bunch of like hundreds of people in a sports bar downtown in L.A. And uh, it's just one of the coolest things about this tournament, I think, no disrespect to the country I live in, but without having a U- U.S. team there, people were forced to really kind of like explore world football and to find their other favorites and to find the other teams that they were really into. So there was a lot of emotion on the, uh, on display during Columbia, England, and it was a really, really cool sporting moment. Let's go on to some individual awards. Best defender, Micah. Rafael Varane, like very easily. Just, I mean, yeah, we've, we've, we've already had this discussion. I mean, like him and Samuel and TT, who would have been another good choice just simply for that model walk celebration that we all know that I love so much. Um, Rafael Varane has was just like a basically a brick wall, or rather, what's a what's a better analogy? But maybe he was like a Swiss Army knife. He has like he's as strong. He as was he more needs like the be. the force field in Annihilation. Like oh, you didn't see it, but shit. it sure was yeah, there. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> 40, 44 clearances on the tournament for Varane, by the way, which was the most of anybody. To me, he's just what you want in a defender, and that he never looks anything but calm. Yeah, he's, he's never just, flustered. Yeah. Yeah, and MTD, you know, he had that weird handball, so that he gets a point off for that. Attacker, best attacker. We talked about Mbappe. I'm giving it to Hazard just because of every time he touched the ball, especially in the knockout rounds, he was just driving forward and threatening and exciting and made things happen. I mean, I, Donnie, I can't believe you're leaving Perisic on the board here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't believe Perisic came alive in the Perisic. semifinal and final. It's a tie. Okay, Hazard and Perisic, you're right, Chris. Well, I almost be. felt like watching Perisic, it was, it was like they kind of had that game changer on hand the entire time. You wonder what the results would have played like earlier in the, in the tournament if they had played through him or looked for him a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Um, let's move on to best midfielder. Mike, I guess you're going to say Pogba? It's Conte. It's Conte. Yeah, it's actually Conte. Conte... Conte is the best best defensive midfielder I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm talking, yes, I know McAuley. Yes, I know Roy Keane. Yes, I know all these people. I'm just saying, like, when I... Do you know Moel Nenny? (laughs) (laughs) For a second, I thought you were being serious. And I was like, did he he play for, like, the great Tottenham team of the early 60s? No, uh, Angle Conte... Won the Premier League with Leicester pretty much single-handedly. Shout out to Mares and Vardy, I know. But, like, N'Golo Conte is the reason they won that that Premier League. Won the Premier League with Chelsea. Won the World Cup with, with France is... Uh, I, I just... I've never seen a player do more simple things more beautifully than him. And such a lovable guy, actually. You should check on the site because Miles Surrey just wrote an ode to Conte. Yeah, I mean, like, also uh, there's a, the, the the report from Get French Football that, like, Steven and Zanzi had to ask other French players to let him hold the World Cup he was because he was shy. too shy to ask for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with the award for the best player you never heard of before this tournament began. I'll start. Benjamin Pavard. How about it? 22-year-old right back for France. He actually plays center back for his club, Stuttgart. 
He's going to be a Bayern Munich player reportedly at the start of next season. He had the wonder goal against Argentina, but just overall solid both in attack and defense. Cool curly hair. <laughs> seemed, seemed like a nice guy. I'm going with Pavard. I was not up on Juan Quintero. Oh, Juan Quintero. Ryan's favorite. Ryan's Ryan's favorite. Ryan's favorite. And, you know, he was at Porto a couple years back, but has been pretty much been kicking around France and Argentina since then. He was in in Independiente uh, Medellin for a bit and now is on River in Argentina. Mm Mm-hmm. But my guy looked like uh, I don't know. I mean, Raquel May. yeah, Is he this... was just dealing like during that those games, and um, like I would, whoever. Whoever buys this dude is going to have themselves a hell of a playmaker. I I was not up on him personally, and this is that's one of the best parts about watching the World Cup where you see somebody like that and you're just like, did that guy just make that pass? Holy crap. Yeah. He's also low-key chubby, which I always love. Uh, great RFD guy, yeah. <laughs> great RFD value. Um, yeah, Michael, I think it's like actually it was... I guess this is kind of like a, a hybridization of this the best player you'd ever heard of before, but also like the person that grew on you the most. Probably also Benjamin Brevard. I'd like was kind of like, who the fuck is this at mm-hmm. the beginning of the tournament? Like, why are they playing a center back at right back? And then, I mean, like he really did grow into the tournament and uh, was solid towards the end there. And also on top of that, like had probably one of like the best three goals of the tournament. Like, I really can't stress enough how difficult it is to hit that full volley as perfectly as he did. That's a good segue into goals. We saw a lot of goals, 169 goals. Of course, 43% were off set pieces, including 26 off corners. There were 29 penalties, 12 own goals, nine game-winning goals in the 90th minute or later. I separate it into best individual goal and best team goal. We'll start with best individual goal. I'm still going Charisma versus Iran just because the audacity of it, the fact that it was Ricky Q, the time of the, the time of the game. I just loved it. Uh, my two, I, it's really hard to choose between Ronaldo versus Spain and and Cruz versus Sweden. Uh, the two free you like kicks. the free kicks. The Cruz goal is, it's just absolute like the stones on that dude to pull that kick off yeah. in that like dying moment. Obviously it didn't save Germany, but whew, I mean, also just like probably the best reactions of like people climbing on top of their desks and throwing their laptops off the window when yeah. that happened. So <laughs> that was, I think I'm going to go cruise goal for me. That's good. And Micah. Um, whew, okay. So I, you know, as you know, I am very partial to the Jesse, to the Jesse Lingard goal, but it was against Panama, so you know, like whatever. I definitely am gonna. I, I think I'm gonna go with the Cristiano Ronaldo free kick, like because it was the last kick of the Portugal Spain game, and the again, drama. just like all the all the drama surrounding it, the uh, even including the stuff that had nothing to do with soccer, um, just made it amazing. Yeah. Actually, honorable mention, Sonny against Mexico. Not a lot of people watched that game or cared about it, but it was an amazing goal. All right, team goal, I'm going with... It wasn't exactly like an intricate team play, per se, but just the Banega pass perfectly weighted to Messi against Nigeria. And I'm just glad we had a Messi moment in this tournament. Um, For the most part, Argentina underperformed, but at least we have that highlight and a tremendous goal. I mean, we had one in 2014 as well when he scored against Iran. But it was just a beautiful what you want to see out of a Leo Messi goal. I'm yeah. going to go Chadley versus Japan. Mm. Uh, Belgium Damn, probably had one. the slickest overall attack. And on the counter were really... Their thing, counters were just, just amazing to watch. Devastating. You know, De Bruyne playing quarterback, Hazard and Lukaku and just... 
I thought that they were really, really. I, I have nothing, nothing but respect for Belgium now. Like I think that for a while there, it was like the hipster favorite, and are they ever going to be able to like put anything together? And I thought they were awesome this tournament. And mm-hmm. uh, if they had made it the final, I think they would have deserved it. So I'm going to go with the Chadley goal versus Japan. Yeah, I also just like really enjoy watching that goal on the tat cam and watching Lukaku's runs, which made me yeah the peel off to yeah. draw everybody away. Ugh. <laughs> then also like going back and realizing that oh uh, Thierry Henry and Romelu Lukaku are friends and just meet up in London sometimes to talk about like goals that Henry scored in the 2005 season. Like it's a cool it's a cool image to have. How about most frustrating player slash biggest bust? I'm gonna. I, mean, can I, he, I, I, I don't mean to sound hot takey here. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna say Messi. Mm, okay. Um, I know that there. That, you know, I saw Brian Phillips tweeted this really interesting idea that it's like it's so great that Mbappe has won the World Cup, so we don't have to spend the next ten years debating whether or not like winning a World Cup essentially ratifies how good he is. Because as we have with Ronaldo and Messi, and obviously that's dropped off a little bit because Ronaldo won the Euros. Um, it's not that I thought that Messi was bad. He had a uh, goal and two assists in four matches. Um, I just didn't think it didn't look like he really wanted to be there, uh, and that's sucks. It sucks yeah. that the Argent Argentina has never figured out a way to uh, matriculate him and uh, use him in the right way on the national team, and it's obviously kind of soured, you know, uh, over the last few years. And it just you know from the retirement, the brief retirement, to. Just watching like the best, one of the best athletes I've ever seen just kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And even the guys around him not really know how to play with him. Like, Dybala should understand how to play with Messi. It's not like he plays with a bunch of scrubs and Turin. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, I know this sounds weird, but it's, I'm going to say Messi. No, that's fair. Micah? Uh, Ante Ravich. Um, just like not even not even because he wasn't good or didn't perform his job well, or didn't put shifts in, none of that stuff. It's just the fact that you have to talk about him in terms of how hard he works. And I just like players like that frustrate me. I even t- yeah. like when I watch him driving his knees up and down the pitch, yeah. it's just like I can feel like my feet getting stepped on and like my ankles getting raked. <laughs> like You'll be happy to know that United apparently are reportedly in talks with Frankfurt to buy him. I know they are, of course. I mean, like anybody that looks like they have a never say die attitude is definitely going to pop up in, in discussion about like is gonna have like a transfer like like I've been I bet like Yvonne Parisage is actually going to happen now. Yeah. My choice, no surprise, Mesut Ozil. Luxury player, passenger. All right, best meme. How <laughs> you just throw it out there and don't like expound upon it at Mesut all. Mesut Ozil va- vacation merchant. <laughs> vacation merchant. We had a lot of memes this World Cup. What was your favorite meme? I'll name a few real quick. Allison Becker, the Brazilian goalie, stopping the balloon. Neymar's rolls versus Serbia. Michy Bashwai of Belgium nailing the ball off the post and then off his face after a uh, the goal against England, the dragonfly going into Hugo Lloris's mouth, Putin's shrug from the very first game, Harry Maguire chatting up his girlfriend, Diego Maradona's double bird, Al Cisse, the Senegal manager's fist pump, Tite, the Brazilian manager's run and fall, and of course, it's coming home. That's probably Chris's favorite, but I love the Neymar role. I love, I love what the internet did with it. They had him rolling across all kinds of 
terrains. I think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Neymar role. Aside, for, like I, I, I can't remember if if we had any grotesque Yogi Love uh, personal hygiene management <laughs> during this tournament, but uh, the Neymar rolling one was really. It's up there with the Busquets peekaboo one for me in terms of uh, diving memes. Um, yeah, I mean, like, a, th- that one kind of, like, spliced into the goal that Mbappe scored against Argentina and then also the one that Pavard scored <laughs> was very funny. I think that, like, if we're talking about stuff that has, like, the most uses, I am going to go with... And also something that I can't believe happened during a World Cup game, Mishi Bajwan nailing his face with the ball after punting it off the post. And he's talking my, about it on Twitter is, afterwards. Is, is, my favorite, is my favorite one, abs- like hands down. All right. We're running short on time a little bit, so I'm just going to name a bunch of categories, and then you guys can just nominate whatever you want. Favorite team that didn't advance to the knockout? Senegal. Biggest. I'm going to go with Senegal, too. Yeah. I agree. Senegal. Uh, best celebration, worst haircut. Anybody uh, want to chime in? Best celebration. I want to say it was Jesse Lingard doing the shoot dance, but it's got to be MTT doing the model the model walk after scoring against Belgium. That was pretty great. So, I like yeah, that, that one. Was great. For worst haircut, it kind of became my favorite haircut, maybe because Croatia made it to the final. But Vita's little undercut horsehair ponytail thing. Kind of grew on me. Yeah, yeah. I liked Vita. I Vita was somebody who I was like, this guy looks like he's trapped in uh, 2003. <laughs> and then I was kind of I was kind of hating on him for a while. And then it's becoming increasingly rumored that he's going to play for Liverpool. So now I'm like, what a warrior, Are you Vita. He, yeah, he just looks. Rumored. He looks like a Dune character. <laughs> yeah, but also like there's it's underrated thing is that he almost jumped off of a, a like an, an international political incident by saying <laughs> glory to Ukraine after after Croatia advanced. Which is I have to admit, he kind of impressed me in the final. Where I mean, he got skinned by Mbappe a couple times, but he was also step for step with him a couple times as well. So he has good closing speed. Uh, do you guys have a biggest fail or an unforgettable moment? I know we talked about the great goals. For me, still, one of the most unforgettable moments was the Rojo goal against Nigeria that essentially put Ni- Argentina through to the knockout round. That was a great moment. Yeah. Also, just because like I didn't know that Marcus Rojo was capable of that. You know, <laughs> It'd be nice to see that every now and again, you know. Do you have anything, Chris, or any miscellany that we should give some awards to? I have one that's not a bust, but is probably among the most disappointing storylines was just the Mo Salah World Cup coming yeah. off of such an incredible club season to see he misses the first game, Egypt goes out in the groups, uh, the Chechnyan stuff was a bad beat. So I I feel bad for that guy because he, he was really ready to take the leap, I think, and become pretty much a global household name in the way that Mbappe seems to be like, but you see just Bills walking around being like, Mbappe, Mbappe's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's a shame that he didn't get <laughs> No, but I mean, like, that's the thing is that, like, real sports, like, sports fans check in on soccer once every two to four years, depending on their level of interest. And, like, those are windows, man. Like, Bill's going to be like, Mbappe's on for the next couple of years because he's a really good litmus test. And I think that it, it's, there's a couple of players, but Salah especially, like, missed out on that moment. 
Yeah, I'm I'm really to me too, I'm really disappointed I didn't get to read more about Muhammad fucking Salah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh wait, I forgot to say, really oh. unforgettable moment was uh Diego Maradona dancing with the Sene- with the Senegalese fan when he was just blasted out of his like the, the game that he needed to have like emergency medical attention afterward because he was going so hard. Um so he, he provided a whole a lot of <laughs> Yeah. Anything else? I think that's it. It was a, I thought it was a great tournament, ultimately. I thought, like, even though I think, you know, there are other tournaments that might have told us more about tactics and maybe there was, like, narratives that were more more e- easier to write about, like whether it was Spain and Tikataka or or the the German experiment kind of, like, ending finally in a World Cup victory. This was such a chaotic, surprising, and entertaining tournament. Did Ryan declared it the best of his lifetime in his piece? Chris, are you willing to do the same? I've enjoyed a couple of Euros more, but this is probably the best World Cup that I can remember. Yeah, this is absolutely the best World Cup that I can remember. Besides, like, I don't know, I guess the 2002 one, which is the first one that I was really paying attention to in full. Uh, this one... I like, yeah. I I think that this one is pretty easily the best World Cup I've ever seen watched. And on that note, I guess we'll have to reconvene for Cutter <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> Until then, though, we'll be back. I guess in a few weeks to talk about the new club season in Europe and preview the Premier League and all of that. So until the next episode, thank you, Chris. Thanks, Donnie. And thank you, Michael Peters. Thank you, Donnie. We'll see you soon. Peace. Today's episode of Ringer FC was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. And even though their name is Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need.